0: Hello and welcome to a special Saturday edition of Holy Crap It Sports, episode 90 of season 2. I'm your host, Pete Davis, and it's coming to you live from the Sandy Springs Podcast Center and laundromat, which I have my entire desk here completely filled up with, uh, let's see, what is all this crap? Delayed release, orally disintegrating tablets, acid reducer. Oh, okay, whatever. And uh, Kroger coupons. Anyway, it's a lovely day here in Atlanta, GA. It's the first real big day of college football for Saturday. Of course, the SEC doesn't start for two more weeks, but the ACC is uh, starting to do some stuff today. And so we got that coming up. And it's Saturday morning, which is why my voice sounds actually kind of deep and uh, impressive because it's before noon. And this voice doesn't see before noon very much. Uh, Just kidding. So we got a lot going on today, including a special birthday. We'll get to that, uh, which was omitted from today's sports birthday list. I had to add it on there. I'm going to have to get a hold of these guys and change this. So what do we got going on? If you want to be a patron of the show, just go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and uh, look for Holy Crap It Sports. If you think this is worth a few bucks a month, I really do appreciate it. Uh, let's see, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's PeteDavis1, Instagram PeteDavis11, and if you want to uh, write me a letter, manifesto, PeteDavis1 at Yahoo.com. Also, if you'd like to be, and I got a few of you lined up, I'm going to be contacting you over the weekend here uh, about becoming a Zoom guest on the Kimmer Show podcast. All you need is the Zoom app, know how to use it. As one gentleman said, well, I don't know how to use it, my wife does, I said, just have your wife... Prop you in front of a computer and have her turn it on, and we'll do the rest. Uh, basically, just need email address, and that's what it takes to uh, get on and ask the Kimmer a question. We will not be doing a Kimmer show Monday because he's picking up Jack the Good Boy from the doctor in Athens, but we will be doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday shows coming up uh, this week. So, <clears throat> and by the way, we're back to normal Holy Crap at Sports uh, schedule next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday righty. Uh, what headlines we got today? Braves are only averaging 14 runs per game since Ozzy Albies came back, and unfortunately, it's not enough. Uh, college football's first kinda real Saturday of the season. The tide is turning away from Black Lives Matter, and maybe the NFL too. Did you see those TV ratings? Uh, a mercy rule in baseball? Mercy. Uh, how cricket still influences baseball? A first in MLB, and Tampa Bay did it. Looks like the Titans had themselves a recidivist on their hands. MLB has a new sponsor, and his name is Mr. Bubble. Yeah, like NBA Bubble. Be careful putting your pants on, especially if you're a pitcher for the Phillies. And a woman surfer has bigger balls than you, and I will prove it. But anyway, we'll get this going right now. What are we drinking today? Let's just pull out an old... um, I would say Budweiser, but I'm mad at them. Why don't we just have a liney's today? A good old lining Kugel. All right. I don't know if you watched the game the other night. I was Thursday night. I was flipping around. Remember when it was a big deal for the NFL season to kick off? And seriously, I didn't remember until the night before that Thursday night was the NFL kickoff. And it was a great game between – it was like a playoff – rebake of last year when the Texans jumped out to a 24-0 lead in Kansas City and the Chiefs came roaring back. I mean, that's a really interesting game. And uh, hardly anybody uh, seemed to care to watch. <laughs> oh, go woke, go broke, I guess. Uh, I was flipping around between that, the Miami UAB college football game and the Braves game, and there's a couple major league games going on, so I was just flipping around. And whoever uh, pissed me off by lecturing me about how racist I was, uh, I flipped on to the other that we have choices in America. <laughs> All right, Vincent Frank has written this, and I forget what he, he wrote it on. It's one of these uh, sports, and I'll, I'll find it and hopefully find it for you next time. His name is Vincent Frank, and the headline was, Want to Make a Dramatic NFL TV Ratings Decrease for the Texans Chiefs Opener. If you look up NFL ratings, it's one of the stories that will pop up if you want to find it. His name is Vincent Frank. And According to him, the defending champion Chiefs took care of business against the Texans. Uh, the reigning Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes looked every bit of the $500 million quarterback that Casey uh, made him in the offseason. Uh, the backdrop of Arrowhead Stadium, a great place to uh, watch a game on TV, included both teams displaying some level of protest, though, during the national anthem ahead of the game. Protests were met with boos from fans that were there in Missouri. They had about 17,000 fans they had loud in. And it's ridiculous. Some of them are clumped together. Some of them were sitting apart. The, the virus knows no difference. The only way to stop the virus is the same way we stopped it in 1918, the Spanish pandemic, uh, the same re- way we stopped the bubonic plague in the Middle Ages and the Black Plague. It's called herd immunity, okay? That's, and look what Sweden is doing. Sweden hardly shut down. And they're doing a lot better than a lot of other places. Um, whatever. We now have some raw numbers as it relates to NBC's TV ratings for the opener, and it's not great news for the NFL. According to Deadline, overall ratings were down a whopping 16-plus percent from last year's Thursday night football opener between the Bears and the Packers. Uh, this could end up being a 10-year low on NBC for the NFL, which is staggering. We already know that a certain sector of the population, you know, patriots, have already promised to boycott the games due to the league's support of Black Lives Matter and related protests supporting alleged racial inequality in the U.S. Until these results are released, we have no idea how much boycotts will impact NFL TV ratings, and one game doesn't come anywhere near close to telling us the entire story. But what we do know is the matchup between Kansas City and Houston did not include a perceived lack of interest from diehard football fans. And we're talking about the reigning Super Bowl MVP going up against a quarterback and Deshaun Watson who is among the most notable in the NFL. There's a strong possibility that the national anthem protest played a role in the rankings, uh, ratings tanking, which is true. By the way, I bet the first um, Tampa Bay game with um, that new quarterback they have, I bet they get buffo ratings on that one. People want to see Tom Brady in a Bucks uniform and see how that works. And they probably want to watch the first Patriots game, too, to see how uh, what they do up there with Cam Newton as their starter. Meanwhile, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell has come out in support of BLM and, and protest against police brutality uh, this offseason. A stark change of direction for Goodell and company after they uh, allegedly mishandled the Colin Kaeperdick-led protest back in 2016. No, they did the exact right thing with Kaeperdick. Kaepernick doesn't give a damn about any movement or anything. He's doing this to get laid by his Muslim girlfriend, and he's doing this for the money because he's probably going to make more money doing this than he did playing football because he was kind of sucked there at the point that he quit playing. And he proved last year when he allegedly showed up at the Falcons camp for a big tryout in front of uh, other coaches and stuff, and he mishandled that. So he proves he doesn't want to play anymore. He just wants to be uh, a big, big shot running his mouth. Uh, pretty much every major North American pro sports league is taking part in protests. It's going to be interesting to see the long-term impact on their brands. Uh, let's see we've already seen the NFL's first game. The ratings are going down. And let's see what goes on because the, leagues, the league and the teams are hurting. They're losing revenue over, because of the China virus. So we'll see how they do. If their TV ratings tank too, they're in trouble. By the way, the uh, Premier League in Britain, uh, soccer, is no longer putting Black Lives Matter patches on their uniforms. They did before, they're not going to do it now. And so maybe some are waking up to the real agenda of a Marxist terror group. I mean, everyone agrees that Black Lives Matter. Uh, Everybody's lives matter. Uh, The lives of all black people matter. But the BLM, where's the money going? They've got over a billion dollars. Where's the money going? Have they fed anybody in the African-American community? Have they sent any kids to school? Have they started any, you know, health clinics or anything like that? Where the hell's the money going besides those big fancy buses to cart them around? It's like the same question. Since the 1960s, we've put trillions of dollars into inner cities. Trillions. Where's the money? If they just handed money out to the people on the street, they'd be better off. Where's the money? They went to the so-called leaders, and the leaders have squirreled the money away, and the people on the street aren't seeing it. But that's what you get when you vote the same way for 50 years or longer. Meanwhile, uh, the Tennessee Titans have a real uh, whopper of a first-round pick on their hands. Isaiah Wilson arrested uh, Friday night for DUI. The Titans say they are aware of the situation. It's not indicative of the character of our football team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last month, Wilson appeared on a Tennessee State University campus police incident report. He attended a gathering at an off-campus apartment. I think he's the one that tried to jump off the second floor balcony and escape. Uh, He got a trespassing warning. And remember, folks, these are the same people lecturing you on how to live your life. Uh, Meme makers had a blast with Chiefs coach Andy Reid's fogged up face mask Thursday night. I don't know if you saw that. It looked like he was basically uh, welding something on the sidelines. Uh, Wolverines coach Jim Harbaugh says he will not be sporting the latest in the China virus fashion, a.k.a. what Andy Reid had on. It was fogging up. And the best meme was, I don't know if you've seen the Kermit the Frog meme, where he's pensively looking out a fogged up rainy window out into a rainy yard and he's thinking something serious. Basically, he said for Kermit Kermit was uh, Patrick Mahomes trying to, to talk with a fogged-up Andy Reid. There's a lot of good memes. You should look them up. Uh, let's see. Uh, college football here. The Hokies game against the Cavaliers has been postponed because of the Chinese Communist government's release of the China virus. So they have had some trouble there. Uh, the Memphis Tigers are delaying some of their practices because they've had a little incident or two there as well. <clears throat> Moving on to Major League Baseball. The Braves almost made another comeback against the Nationals Friday night, but they fell short eight to seven in 12 innings. Sorry if my uh, voice is sounding a little kermy there. Let me take a little sip of the line of Kugels. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I usually don't do one in the morning. I mean, I I don't do a show in the morning. Uh, sorry, we'll keep moving, uh, does not bode well for the postseason for the Braves because they failed to score a run in the 10th, 11th, and 12th innings despite being uh, given a runner on second base to begin with. <clears throat> they have trouble getting runners over and manufacturing runs, and you need to do that against the premier pitchers you're going to see in the playoffs. And they can't just rely on out-slugging their opponents. Uh, this pitching staff has to write itself pretty soon. If Max Fried and Cole Hamels don't return, It'll be another one-and-done for Atlanta, something we're all too familiar with in these here parts. Hamels, though, might be ready for Wednesday's game in Baltimore. So uh, keep your fingers crossed, because that could come. That would be very good if they get Cole Hamels back. But then how long will they have him, because he tends to get injured? Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. may actually play tonight. I'd be surprised. After leaving Friday night's game, he fouled a ball off his left ankle and had to be helped off the field, could not put any weight on it, Thank goodness the x-rays were negative, and manager Brian Snicker says he could be out there tonight. I kind of doubt it, but he could be. By the way, a little flap they put on their their ankles and shins to guard. That doesn't guard anything. Mar- Marcelo Zuna came one hit shy of tying the Braves' record of six hits in a game. And here's a trivia contest you can win. Name the two Atlanta Braves that have had six hits in a game. Uh, Willie Harris, I don't even remember Willie Harris, did it in 2007. And Felix Mion, uh, the cat, I remember Felix, one of my favorite uh, second basemen. In 1970, Felix Mion did it. Felix Mion choked up the bat almost to the trademark. It was, no, one, no one does that anymore. And he was, he was really good. He, could, he was a magician with the bat. If the Braves do manage to make the playoffs, don't even think about watching them here in the ballpark in Cobb County. It's not going to happen because MLB is close to formalizing a plan with the Union for a bubble. Yeah, like the NBA is doing, that no one cares. All postseason games, Major League Baseball, will allegedly be held in four parks in Houston, Dallas, LA, and San Diego. Basically, you get the men, you know, the indoor park in uh, Houston the new indoor park outside of Dallas you've got Dodger Stadium and of course you got the uh, Petco Park in San Diego the World Series will be played in the brand spanking new ballpark the Rangers just built outside of Dallas somewhere between there and Fort Worth and uh, I've been to the old Dallas Cowboys Stadium and I guess it's not too far from there but uh, it looks nice on television I like the old uh, Rangers Stadium I wish I'd gone and seen a game there And uh, talk about bad timing, opening up a brand new stadium in the midst of no one being able to go see it. But it looks nice. This is the first I've heard about them doing a bubble for the postseason. Taking away your home ballpark, even if the fans aren't in there. That just doesn't seem natural, does it? And once again, you can thank two people, the Chinese Communist government and the rioters. That's why we're having to do all this. Uh, Due to recent offensive struggles, Tampa Bay manager Kevin Cash was looking for a way to spark his offense and decided to start, get this, nine left-handed batters against Boston right-hander Andrew Triggs. If I'm Andrew Triggs, I'm thinking I'm the greatest right-hander of all time. The hell with Greg Baddocks and Roger Clemens, Christy Matheson, Walter Johnson. I'm the most feared right-hander in history because this manager completely changed all nine of his batters to face me. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Having nine lefty batters worked. It's a first in modern Major League history. Turned out to be just the right lineup. The Rays recorded 12 hits, 11-1 win over the Red Sox at Tropicana Field in Tampa. Right outside, wherever it is. You got to wonder how many. How did he find so many lefty bats? Did they have to get a special shipment from Hillerich and Bradsby? <clears throat> Just kidding. I was listening to the Dodgers-Diamondbacks game, and I learned something. I always write this down when I learn something. You know how some ballparks have or used to have that dirt path between the pitching mound and home plate? They used to have it in Detroit. I don't know if they still have it in Detroit, and they used to have it in Arizona. I kind of like the look of it, although I used to worry. For the pitcher, because it, it seemed a little slightly dangerous because I always thought the grass kind of helped slow down a really hard ball that bounced once before it got back to the pitcher. I thought the grass helped slow that down, and the dirt wasn 't going to slow down anything basically a hard grounder would come right back and take your shin off. Did you ever wonder why though the dirt path was there well, first of all, Buck showalter who helped you know put together the uh, the new stadium for the diamondbacks back in the early late 90s, early 2000s. He um, liked it. He had seen it over in Korea and Japan, and he liked the look of it. and Plus, it was a throwback to the 1920s and before that. But the reason they had it back in the day was because of cricket. The British sport has a dirt path between the wickets, and the baseball fields were often played on cricket fields. If you ever seen them play? The pitcher takes a running start. I don't know, I don't think they call him a pitcher. He takes a running start, throws the ball, and can bounce it. And he tries to knock the wickets off behind the batter. And the batter, once he swings and contacts the ball, he runs back and forth holding on to the bat. And he's got all that regalia on him, like he's the thing from the Fantastic Four. And he runs back and forth between the wickets. And that's how they score their runs. Other than that, I have no idea what they're doing out there. I even have a book I bought in London, The Rules of Cricket. And it's it's slightly smaller than the Bible. And... Maybe a little larger than the dictionary. I still don't know what they're doing out there. One day I'm going to sit down and make some English cute woman with a great British accent teach me. Anyway, if there's any women out there with great British accents who'd like to teach me cricket, the rules of it, please. Pete Davis won at yahoo.com. Any. Anyway. So anyway, that's why we have the uh, that blah blah blah. Well, speaking of Buck Showalter. I said he helped uh, design that old indoor ballpark they have out there, which they all, they now say is, you know, out of, out of uh, I don't know, it's passé. Uh, They're in Phoenix. He helped push the center field wall back to help his young pitchers. You know that big backdrop they have out there and that big wall you got to hit it over? It used to be a small wall in front of it, and center field was only 380 feet. And Buck Showalter went in there and realized he had a bunch of young expansion pitchers, and he goes, "No, you're going to have to move that wall back a little bit." <laughs> you know, like City Field and, and the Met Stadium, they moved the, they moved their fences in. Well, they did the exact opposite there in Arizona. He says because the ball travels out here in the desert, and he's absolutely right. He says the first time he walked into what used to be called the Bob, for Bank One Ballpark, and now it's Chase Field. Uh, the bob was better he discovered they put the foul poles in backwards in concrete and if you ever seen the foul pole it's got that i don't know that grating on one side which helps the umpires tell if it hits the pole or not if it's foul or if it's not foul and he got there and they put the grating on the foul pole outside of the foul lines it's supposed to be inside can you imagine the look on his face when he went out there and saw that it put it in concrete so uh, he made them get the old jackhammer out, and they tore up the pavement and made them turn around. Speaking of Arizona, according to MLB.com, having been removed uh, or moved from the rotation to the bullpen and knowing he was going to take over for the starter in the third inning of a Friday's win, D-back's lefty Alex Young wanted to keep his prep similar. The problem was a big part of his prep involves playing long toss. He's kind of like Trevor Bauer. Just before he started warming up the bullpen – and they were already playing the game. So he couldn't just walk onto the field and throw the ball. So he decided he'd go outside. They have a long paved alleyway slash road that runs between Chase Field and the railroad tracks. And he decided to go outside by the railroad tracks with a coach and throw long balls back and forth. And seemed to work. Uh, Dodgers player Mookie Betts. Uh, the, the umpires forgot how many balls were on Mookie Betts. Insert your own joke here. So they went to replay for letting him take, before letting him take his base on balls. It turns out he'd had like five balls. And everyone was talking about, well, that's great, give him his base, whatever. But, by the way, did that extra pitch count in the official pitch count in the balls and strikes? They didn't answer that question. And some, one of the Dodgers announcers says, well, wait a second here. What if Mookie Betts? on that extra ball, had hit a home run. And then the Diamondbacks came out and said, whoa, 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 he had an extra ball. Would they have brought the home run back and put him on first base? Probably. That was a, that's a good question, though. That's interesting. And for once, I agree with that smug jackass Earl Hirschheiser who does the Dodgers TV games. There should be no mercy rule in Major League Baseball. They're talking about it. His main point was there's too much money in gambling on games to start monkeying with a mercy rule. My point is, they're grown adults, so screw their self-esteem. If they're getting blown out like the Marlins did the other night, 29-9, to then do something about it. I think Lou Holtz had a line about that, about stopping blowouts. And he says, I can only coach one team at a time. (laughs) Which is a pretty damn good line. Anyway, by the way, I've noticed... Some TV guys are better. Like the Yankees, their TV guys, Michael Kay, they're better than their radio people. Uh, but the Dodgers, unfortunately, their TV guys are not very good, Horrell Horsheiser being the main one. Gosh, you, what a pompous prick he always was, and, and still is, obviously. Uh, condescending to every, uh, other players, condescending to his partner in the booth. And So I always flick on and listen to the uh, the Dodgers. Charlie Steiner, the former ESPN guy, great sense of humor, loves you know calling the games out there. He's found his niche, even though he was good on ESPN. And uh, the guy with him, Ross somebody, Russ or Ross, I, f- I always forget the guy's last name. They do a great job calling the uh, Dodgers radio games. Uh, today's freak accident comes to you from Philadelphia, according to ESPN. Undefeated Phillies right-hander Zach Wheeler, I uh, hope you're sitting down, ripped his fingernail off of his hand and he did it by putting on his pants. His next start has been delayed for two days. It'll probably be longer. Uh, Wheeler might lose the nail on the middle finger of his right hand. That's kind of important in, when you're pitching. Uh, he says, it's just one of those stupid things. I tripped a little bit, and we've all done that. I lost my balance, and my jeans yanked it out of my hand. His jeans yanked the nail out of his hand. Okay. You know, they say that's a sign of getting older. You have more and more trouble putting your underwear and your pants on. Remember the other days you could jump out of bed and you just throw it on and you, you ran out the door? And nowadays you got to say, no, wait a second. This leg goes in first, and i got to make sure I'm holding on to the bed. You know, it's not that bad, but still. It, it gets a little dizzy sometimes when you're jumping up out of bed trying to throw the pants on because you hear somebody coming through the front door. Anyway, let's see. Uh, they always said I'd be shot by somebody. Uh, trying to crawl out of a window. Uh, Wheeler is 4-0, a 2.47 earned run average in eight starts, uh, basically keeping the Phillies afloat. Now they're right on the Braves' heels. I think they're like two games back now behind the Bravos. He had been scheduled to pitch Saturday in Miami. That's today. That start has been pushed back to Monday, probably going to be wishful thinking, according to manager Joe Girardi. His finger is swollen, sore, and taped says, the nail has been an issue throughout his career. It's prone to catch on things. He heard it Wednesday shortly after the team arrived in Miami. You know, I've had hangnails before, but I've never caught one and ripped the nail right off. That's, oh, God. All right. Remember I said earlier, I'm going to take a sip here, of the line in Kugel's, that this woman surfer has bigger balls than you and I. And I've included uh, myself in there as well. If I find her name here, Maya Gabera, great name. A Brazilian woman surfer has broke her own Guinness book of world records record. She called a wave that has been confirmed. And let me just put this in perspective. We thought we were having a bonsai pipeline day in San Diego when we go surfing and it'd be six feet, six feet. I mean, that could kill you. It could snap your neck. I mean, usually it was about three feet. If it was six feet, we were having a fantastic day until it drove us into the, uh, the pier. But other than that, in the rock way. but other than that, it would be a good day if it was six feet. But it was a little scary to get up top of six feet. When it, I was once on eight or ten feet, and it's scary as hell. This woman got on top of a wave that measured 73 and a half feet tall. That's a few stories, isn't it? How, how long, how many feet are in a story? Uh, Alexa, how many feet are in a two-story building? According to an Alexa, Here we go. To 28 feet, Alexa, stop. 28 feet. So 28, that'd be 56. That's a three-story building she was riding on top of. A moving ocean behind you, pushing you, full of sharks, stingrays, what have you, rocks ahead of you, sandpaper sand beneath you, sandpaper skin on the sharks beneath you, 73 and a half, three story. She rode a three story high building into the beach. She caught the big wave at the WSL Nazar Tow Surfing Challenge. I think that's where they, they basically tow you out to the waves. You get, you get on the back of a um, jet ski, and they take you out. What a fun job that is. It's being held in Praia do Norte, Portugal. Yeah, they have some of the biggest waves in the world outside of Portugal. Uh, the same competition where she previously set the record for the largest wave surfed, Unlimited by a female. She caught a 68 foot wave two years ago. Well, now she's beaten that by over five more feet. 73 and a half feet. Uh, she, <laughs> for the rest of her life. What you used to do when you were young, grandma, uh, all for fun, we'd go out and ride three story high waves. You realize what happens to you if you screw up with the power of that? Behind, it basically would tear you limb from limb. And if it took you into a reef or something, it would shred you like the cheese on your cheese grater. Believe me, someone who's been towed back and forth across sand by the power of the Pacific Ocean, this woman, is just. she's got balls the size of a Bandy Rooster, as my uncle used to say. Which, when you think about it, isn't that big, but it's more of a figurative type thing. Uh, Birthdays, right? Birthdays today. Uh, 1909, Spud Chandler. A baseball player who was American League MVP in 1943, was born in Commerce, Georgia. He died in 1990. 1913, one of the greatest Americans of all time. Jesse Owens uh, won four Olympic gold medals in front of a Hitler in 1936. Take that in your superior race. Was born in Oakville, Alabama, and died in 1980. 1940, great lefty, Mickey Lolich, pitcher mainly for the Tigers, a little bit for the Mets, won 25 games in 1971, born in Portland, Oregon. I think he won three games in the 68 series to lead the Tigers over the Cardinals. The Tiger, the Cardinals were trying to repeat. They'd beaten the Red Sox the year before. Mickey Lowlich outpitched Bob Gibson in a game seven. Bob Gibson is one of the three guys that I would put in a game seven against anybody. Anybody. Let's see what else we got uh it'd be gibson koufax i'm trying to think and probably randy johnson would be my game seven starters against everybody else uh let's see who else we got 1956 ricky rudd race car driver born in norfolk county virginia i guess they didn't have towns back then and norfolk county in 1967 pat Listach, a baseball infielder mainly for the brewers was born in natchitoches louisiana and i point this out because i was listening the other day and someone was was bitching because it was pat Listach who beat out kenny lofton for the american league rookie of the year award <laughs> can you imagine that you beating out kenny lofton and Listach had an okay career but not a great one he kind of faded after that rookie year and in 1980 sean burroughs a baseball player. He's 40 years old today, born here in Atlanta. And isn't he Jeff Burroughs' kid? I'm trying to think if that was the former Rangers and Braves player, Jeff Burroughs, who could hit. Man, he could hit. And here's the I'll, I'm, there's, they left out an important birthday, and I'm going to point that out in Pete's tweets coming up. When are we going to do Pete's tweets, Pete? We're going to do it right now. After take another sip. Of the Kugel. All right. Uh, Pete's tweets. My throwback Thursday for Thursday photo was from 1987. It was a great photo. Frankly, I took it with a Canon AE1 from the first base dugout because there was only four of us there. It was a rainy night playing the Pirates at Atlanta Folk County Stadium. And I have a picture of the umpire squatting, the Pirates catcher squatting, don't know his name, and Dale Murphy in full swing. And the bat's kind of fuzzy, but you can see the number three, the Murphy on the back of his, that's how much he had swung. You could see the back of his jersey and the name of it and full swing. One of my favorite pictures I've ever taken. Pictures. Pictures. I've always got that word mixed up. Pictures and pictures. Uh, Jesse Kelly says, I was going to watch the NFL opening game, but I just decided to look in the mirror and flog myself for being white instead. Might as well cut out the (laughs) middleman. let's see what's this? here's a good stat that's interesting uh i think mlb network put this out september 10th 2020 the first time in sports history this is a good trivia question to win at the bar when they open the bars again september 10th 2020 the first time in history of all major sports that's mlb well, they put WNBA in there. <clears throat> NBA, NFL, NHL, and MLS. It's the first time in history of all the major sports that all of them had a game on the same day. Wow. One, two, three, six sports leagues. Uh, MLB led off with 12 games. WNBA had three. Uh, the NBA had one. NFL one, NHL one, MLS won. Wasn't that the... Was that the embarrassing loss down in Miami for the uh, Atlanta United? Probably. Boy, how can you screw that up? They managed to do it, though, didn't they? Let's see, what else we got here? Uh, The Daily Caller tweeting, Chiefs fans boo as players from both teams link arms in a moment of unity and call for social justice before the game started. The Columbia Bugle tweeted back, No matter how much you love football, nobody wants to be lectured by barely literate millionaires in a country that made these barely literate jocks millionaires and heroes please columbia bugle did that that's pretty cool uh oh, by the way the players were upset they couldn't understand the booze they could you're no longer getting down on your knees and genuflecting to us with adoration what are you doing you're supposed to worship us uh us CBS Barrett Sally, uh, com Florida receiver Justin Shorter granted immediate, immediate eligibility for 2020 after transferring from Penn State. Good for him. Uh, Peter Burns yesterday tweeted out that yesterday was a Bear Bryant's birthday. He says, my favorite Bear story, when he was an assistant at Vanderbilt, he took the head coaching job at Arkansas. Did you know that? As he's driving to Fayetteville, Arkansas, he heard on the radio that Pearl Harbor had been attacked it was December seventh, nineteen forty-one. He turned around and joined the Navy. Drove back to Nashville and joined the Navy. Okay. You would have known this story if you'd read the Totally Biased Guide to Southern College Football, which is available from yours truly on Amazon.com in both paperback and ebook form. That's right. And it's one of the greatest books ever written. It is the greatest book ever written about Southern College Football. The Totally Biased Guide to Southern College Football. And it's very reasonable. Uh, By the way, so Peter Burns put that out there. And my version of the story, what I heard, was that he was driving with former Yankees Hall of Fame catcher Bill Dickey, who lived in Nashville and I think was a big Arkansas fan. And it kind of brokered the deal of uh, him leaving Vandy as an assistant to go take the head coaching job at Arkansas. And that they were writing together. I don't know exactly if that turned out to be true, but it was a better story, so I went with it. Anyway, and of course, all the Razorback fans are going, "Oh, what could have been? What could have been? What could have been?" I'll tell you what could have been: the same thing that happened at Kentucky when he went to Kentucky. He'd have been there two, three years, and then Mama would have called, or Texas A and M would have called. I don't know though; he may not have left Arkansas for Texas A and M, but I tell you what: because he'd been crazy if he had. Uh, especially Arkansas was a better job, in my opinion. Uh, But uh, when Mama called, when Alabama called, he would have left Arkansas. I'm sorry, he would have pulled to Tuberville. Of course, back then Arkansas wasn't in the SEC. So they were in that, oh, God, the old Southwest Conference. God, I love the old Southwest Conference. Everybody running the wishbone. And it was, it was Texas and Arkansas beating the hell out of everybody else. <laughs> Poor Baylor and, and uh, TCU and uh, SMU. Oh, God. it was What fun times. Anyway, let's see what else we got here. Sports-wise. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, here it is. The happy birthday. And I thought he had already celebrated a birthday earlier this year. But according to the Atlanta Braves' official Twitter site, Today is the 31st birthday for Freddie Freeman, who is having a monster season. And people are finally around the league starting to recognize it. Mark, Bo- Mark, Bo- Mark DeRosa did a great job on MLB Network the other day breaking down the season that Freddie Freeman is having. It is an MVP type season. It's right up there with the Mookie Betts, right up there with what max Fried was doing before he got injured it's a great great uh, year he's having freddie freeman the leader of this team uh and uh happy birthday he's 31 already oh man because you got to think this is their window their window is right now if they if mike Soroka was healthy if max freed was healthy they'd be one of the top two favorites to win this whole thing this year and if Cole Hamels had come on or Felix Hernandez had come on like he was in spring training, what a weird year, To even though it's going to be a weird year for whoever wins the World Series. To me, it's a tournament. It's not a season. It'll be interesting how many of these rules they're going to keep next year. But anyway, uh, let's see what do we got here. Let me take a sip of the line of Kugels before we get into the, this date in Braves in baseball history. Oh, yeah. 1930, September 12th. At Ebbets. By the way, and no, we did not forget. Yesterday was September eleventh. The nineteenth. Can you believe it's been nineteen years? It actually, to me, seems longer than nineteen years since that happened. That the world changed. And that's what everybody was saying on Twitter yesterday. How the world changed. Remember, remember how easy it was to fly before that. Mm. Uh, 1930, at Ebbets Field, Dodger catcher Al Lopez hit the last major league bounced home run in National League history. The senior circuit joined the American League, which had enacted the rule change the year before, and awarding a ground rule double to the player who hits the ball over the wall on a bounce. <laughs> and Babe Ruth hit a, hit, hit a few of them that bounced over. 1962, September 12th, with a game behind the front-running Dodgers, a game behind the front-running Dodgers, the Giants lose their all-star center fielder when Willie Mays enters a hospital for nervous exhaustion. Uh, The Giants will drop six games in a row, but recover along with the Say Hey Kid in time to beat L.A. in a playoff to win the National League pennant in 1962. Unfortunately, I think they lose in Game 7 to the Yankees That line drive, the screaming line drive off the bat of Willie McCovey, that went right to the Yankee second baseman, who I believe was Bobby Richardson. If it had gone two or three feet either direction, the Giants win the World Series. And unfortunately, it went right to the Yankee. 1972, in his final appearance in a big league uni, 29-year-old right-hander Denny McClain will finish his 10-year career with 131 wins, 92 losses. Tagged with the loss, when he gives up three runs in the ninth without retiring a batter, the Braves lose to Cincinnati at Atlanta Stadium 7-5. to five. The last batter the one-time 30-game winner uh, will face is Pete Rose. Now, Denny McLean was uh, kicked out of baseball for gambling and bookmaking, and the last batter he faces is Pete Rose, who will be banned for life from baseball for betting on the game. How ironic is that? Can you believe Denny McLean should have been a Hall of Fame pitcher? And he basically partied his way right out at age 29. 1976, at age 53, Minnie Minoso, one of the great names of all times, becomes the oldest player to hit a hit or get a hit in a regular season game. He singles in three at-bats as the designated hitter for the White Sox. Angel Southpaw Sid Mung gives up the hit. Nineteen seventy nine, Carl Yastrzemski, and a nine to two Red Sox win over the Yankees collects his three thousandth hit, an eighth inning single off Jim Beattie in Fenway Park. The game pauses to celebrate it. Carl Yastrzemski, Yastrzemski, sorry, nineteen ninety five. During, by the way, Yastrzemski is much is easier to spell than you think. During a WGN pregame radio broadcast at Wrigley Field. Cubs announcer Harry Carey remarks to the team's uh, skipper, Jim Riggleman, quote, Well, my eyes are slanty enough. How about yours? End quote. Referring to Hideo Nomo, the Japanese rookie hurler scheduled to start for the Dodgers. The veteran announcer, known for not backing off of his on-the-air off-handed comments, does, though, issue an apology calling the incident unfortunate. Talk about uh, coming from another time. The great Harry Carey. Not one of his bigger (laughs) moments there. Anyway, 2006, the Braves are mathematically eliminated from the division race as the Mets beat beat the Marlins. The New York win ends Atlanta's streak of 14 straight division titles, the longest run for any professional sport. And they won one World Series out of that. One. 2015, which is why I don't care if they win the division this year, just get into the postseason. Uh 2015, Atlanta loses its 11th consecutive home game, dropping a 6-4 decision to the Mets at Turner Field. The defeat matches a franchise mark established in 1931 when the team played at Braves Field in Boston. Wow, good going, Pete. It's Saturday. It's nice. The sun's coming out. It's college football going on. we got a Braves game later. And you end this date in sports history and Braves history with two downers. Thanks a lot. So I'll repeat, it's Freddie Freeman's birthday, age 31 which is kind of, it's celebratory. It's Freddie Freeman's birthday, and you think he's already 31. Ugh. Which means next season, he'll turn 32. But then again, he's a first baseman. He's got a great swing. Freddie's got six or seven very good years left in him, even great years left in him, I'm telling you. These guys keep themselves in shape. That's what I'm going to keep telling myself. <clears throat> so we're good. let's uh, check uh, Twitter and see if we've forgotten anything here. Anything coming up here? Sports-wise. Barrett Sally says, college football will be played today. It will be the third straight weekend in which college football will be played. Enjoy it. Savor it. Love it. It's got a good point. Oh. What am doing here? Oh. Steve Martin, the comedian, says, I always wear a mask when I go outside, but something about it was leaving me anxious and unsettled. I thought about the problem, addressed it, and here's the solution. So he put a picture of himself. He's got sunglasses on, and he's got the mask on, which makes it hard to tell it's Steve Martin. So he put a sign over his head that says, Steve Martin, and the arrow points down to him. (laughs) I'm going to repeat that because that's that's damn funny, in my opinion. Uh, let, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, looking for anything uh, sports out there. It doesn't look like there's a lot going on, because it's before noon on a Saturday. I can't believe I'm awake. Usually, uh, during college football season, I would stay up late on Friday night, and then I'd wake up, because usually it was a football game, and then I'd wake up around eleven, eleven thirty, and me and Bear would run upstairs and turn on the TV and start cooking breakfast and Get the last 30 minutes of uh, the ESPN College Game Day because the rest of it's just bullshit. Sorry, I didn't mean to cuss. But <laughs> the, the, all you need is the last 30 minutes of College Game Day. Please. Anyway, let's see what else we got here sports-wise. Da, 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 da. I should play a little music in the background. Okay, Brett McMurphy uh, says that Virginia's November 14th home date against Duke is has been moved up to September 26th. That may be because of their game with Virginia Tech had to be delayed or something like that. Anyway. uh, Oh, last night, Fox Sports South said Nick Marcakis ties Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson on the all-time doubles list with number 510. He passed Babe Ruth earlier this season. Unbelievable. Let's see. Congrats to Pete Alonzo of the Mets, who wore several different hats yesterday all uh, for the uh, New York first responders for September 11th. Good for him. Let's see. He seems like a very nice young man, even if he's playing for that the Mets. Don't talk to me about those Mets. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Hmm. Oh, they're having more at commercials this time with a uh, football in it. Oh, great. Can't, can't wait till see those. Uh, the Big 12 uh the Big 12, a Big 12 program has suspended 11 players for their season opener. Well, shoot, Saturday down south, will you tell me which one? Uh, West Virginia, they're playing Eastern Kentucky today. It's not, it's not China virus related. So obviously the players were up to something they shouldn't have been doing. Holy cow, multiple starters. Uh, let's see, they don't say exactly what they did. What's going on? Holy cow, that's going to change the betting line. Uh, it's shifted the betting line by two and a half points already. Wow. So there's big news. Let's see what else we got going here. Dun, 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 dun. All right, that seems to be it. All right, let's uh, flick over and I'll tell you ESPN, then we can, I'll release you back into the wild to go watch college football today. And Don't forget the Braves game against the Nationals later today as well. And uh, they need to win against these Nationals. The Braves just—they—they're behind three nothing again. The first inning, they can't keep doing that. If they do that in the postseason, they're one and done. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. Uh, Nope, nothing interesting else going on in sports. So, once again, you've listened to episode ninety. We're already at ninety of season two. When should I start season three? Should we do one hundred a season? Is that what we should do? Is that a good round number to start with, or should we stop at 99 and be you know, kind of funky? Anyway, I'm just rambling now. It's uh, right before college football starts on a Saturday. Everybody enjoy it, because um, you never know when things are going to be taken away from you, because uh, September 11th was yesterday, and we all remember what happened 19 years ago and uh, say a prayer for all the first responders who uh, didn't come home that day, all the people who didn't come home that day. And I've told the story before that my dad and I were in the World Trade Center uh, before that in 1992. The last time I was up there at, at, at the Trade Center, we went up to the top and looked around. And as we were walking around the first floor, I had my, my Canon AE-1 with me. and I was just kind of holding it in my hand. And this gentleman walked up, about 40-something years old, well-dressed, very fashionably dressed, business guy, I guess, came in, walked up to me. And this is New York. He walked up to me. He goes, this young man, let me show you something. And I, he goes, let me have your camera. And, you know, mostly in New York or anywhere, you don't hand someone your camera. But this guy, I mean, you're surrounding, there's security guards everywhere. This guy wasn't going to do anything with my camera. He says, I want to show you something. And I handed my camera, and he took the strap, and he wound it around his shoulder, he says, this is how you carry a camera in New York City. <laughs> and then he took it off and handed it to me. And my dad and I, you know, dad laughed, and, and I laughed, and he goes, uh, have a good day. And he turned and walked away. Just a random act of kindness. And I always think of that guy because he, he, I think he worked there. And I just hope that he wasn't there that day or that he got out. I don't know. But it was just a random act of kindness. Uh, but you don't get uh, these days anywhere much less in uh, new york city i have fond memories of new york city i think it's a it's a crap hole but i think i have me and my dad going up there and seeing broadway plays and everything and touring the city and everything we had a good time anyway uh everybody have a great day get out there enjoy the world and drink up shriner's